even in the church, we will have conflicts, a lot of conflicts, in fact. And the truth is, a lot of those conflicts look like they're caused by other things, but at the core, they're actually caused by cultural differences. We're going to talk about that today and the dynamic it plays in the church. Let's go. You are listening to the All Things to All People podcast. This is Michael Burns, and we're on episode number nine, continuing through the book, All Things to All People. We are in chapter eight today. Uh, The title of chapter eight is Division Subtracts, and we'll be talking about the, the power of culture It's an interesting thing, culture, because one of the things that culture does is it brings us together as a group of people. We kind of have the same commonalities, the same expectations and assumptions, but because it is so powerful in doing that, it also can divide us with other groups when they have different norms and sets uh, of cultural assumptions. And if we're not aware of that, we can uh, easily become divided and and not know why, because we might think it's something else, but really it's uh, at its core cultural. So as we uh, kick off the episode today, uh, I had such a good time in the last episode with my friend and Bible scholar Jason Alexander that I decided to have him uh, back again for this episode. So he is here with us. He's uh, We're piping him in from Madison, Wisconsin. Jason, I don't know if that's the right term, piping in, or uh, w- w- what do you call that these days? You're, you're live streaming. Um, now, I'm... I'm not hearing you for some reason, Jason. Let me see. Um, Is that on your end? Uh, Okay. I see what I did, Jason. That was my fault. I, um... I didn't stop the theme music and I just turned down uh, your feet and my headphones. <laughs> so <laughs> there we go. You did that on purpose. I, well, I did. I didn't, I, you know, I wanted the credit of, you know, people being able to say, well, he tried to have Jason on, but it's like, sorry, Jason, can't hear you. Um, <laughs> and, and once again, this is a, uh, low budget in your face reality podcast so if i make mistakes there's no editing it out it were just it it is what it is (laughs) so yeah now the thing that um i noticed right off uh as i look at you because jason is actually zooming in so i can see him and of course if you're listening to the podcast you can't um but the thing that the the audience listening is being spared from Jason is having to look at that horrendous Chicago Cubs hat uh, that's on your head. Uh, why, dude? Just why? 
why are they being uh, why are they not given the privilege of seeing it? No, why why are you wearing that? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I I don't have a good answer for that. I guess if you want to support uh, this I, podcast I, and chip in and uh, <laughs> buy Jason a Milwaukee Brewers hat, uh, feel free to do that and be an upgrade. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah. yeah maybe some of your sponsors. <laughs> yeah, it's a long list of sponsors <laughs> that we have on the show right now. Let me go ahead and read our sponsor yeah. list. Ready? Yeah. Okay, we're done. Oh, that was that's great. I yeah. thought you were going to say blue plate. I thought this was a quite an outfit here. I I don't even know what blue plate is. Is that some bougie oh, like Madison that. thing? No, that's. I feel like ninety percent of the podcasts I listen to have a blue plate break somewhere. Anyways, what is blue like, plate? They bring you. Um, they bring you dinner. It's like dinner in a box, and then you cook it throughout the week. They give you ingredients. Oh yeah, I, I'm not now, of that. Now I'm, now I'm, I'm not, advocating. I'm not of that economic caste to be able to do that. So, <laughs> well, I am. I clearly. Uh, yeah. You're yeah. No, it was a free trial. All right. <laughs> how's uh, how's the family doing? Your daughter is four now. Hey. She's getting there, yeah. Um, no, she's three. She's three. She's, she's she's recently three. Are you sure um, she didn't just recently turn four? Uh, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I thought it was she her fourth not. birthday. It's only her third. Okay. No, she's a, she's a live wire. She could be four, and I just missed it. I might be uh, blocking out some a season there. Okay. It it's good. She's good, but we you know. Uh, we are, uh, this is week two or three of isolation. So yeah, it's, you lose count. It, yeah. We're, 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 we're not at the boiling point yet, but it's, yeah. Yeah. It's crowded here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a 17 year old son who's starting to lose his mind. So I understand He's here all day, every day, and going nuts. So, <laughs> <laughs> you you saw you saw the 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 guy. There's I don't know. It's like a a, a short clip going around where um, he's being asked by somebody. They ask him, "Would you rather during this quarantine a be uh, quarantined with your family or?" B, and he said, B. <laughs> <laughs> just B. Yeah, just B, yeah, whatever that is. No, it, it's, <laughs> I'm happy to be with my family. That's, yeah. Uh, no, I am I too. We're, his, we're, we're having a view. good time. Um, he keeps wanting me to make TikTok videos with him. So. Oh, resist. Yeah, I'm trying, but I'm weakening. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. So, Jason, let's jump into the chapter here. Um, and we'll start going through chapter eight and again, feel free to jump in wherever. Cool. I have a clear memory as a teenager of going to the beach with my friends and a few other people I knew and was friendly with, but would not have classified as friends. The entire group of us were white middle-class 
Midwestern small town Wisconsinites. In other words, most of our cultural layers overlapped and we had much in common. I'll just break in here and say it was Lions Beach we were going to. Have you ever been there, Jason? I knew we grew up not too far from each other. You weren't in Janesville, but... We honeymooned there. You... <laughs> 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 yeah, it's just kidding. No, it's a big honeymoon spot. That makes a lot of I'm, sense. I'm from Rockford, so I, I know Janesville, but I've not I've not been there. No. Yeah, Lions Beach. On a good day, you could get a good 200 people at Lions Beach. No, no. Oh doubt. wow! Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, at the beach, we were listening to music, having a good time, and going in and out of the water. Before too long, a relatively large group of black women and children came onto the beach and set up camp close by. Now, I'll break in here again. If you know Janesville, that right there, it was a little bit unusual. Um, yeah. But we'll go back to the reading. To be honest, we didn't know much about them other than the color of their skin. Almost immediately upon their arrival, the general volume at the beach went up seemingly tenfold. There were other moms and kids at the beach, but they had all been pretty quiet. Not this group. The kids were loud, but the women were louder. They were playing and having fun, but would shout back and forth. Sorry, they were playing and having fun, but I'm telling you, it was noticeably loud. When they were far apart, they would shout back and forth to communicate with one another. If one of the moms wanted to redirect or discipline a child, they would do so seemingly at the top of their lungs. There was no decorum or sense of being discreet in the presence of others around them. It was so different from the atmosphere before they arrived that it was abrasive to everyone else. For a time, we tried to ignore it, but it was hard to go on having a low-key relaxed day at the beach with this constant cacophony raging all around. I recall it irritating me, but that was about as far as it went. But I must admit, I'd grown up in a town where no one else acted like that, and the contrast was sharp. Then it happened. One of the guys in the group turned to the rest of us and said something to the effect of, that's why I can't stand those people. They're always loud and rude. They don't care about anyone else. We all knew what he meant by those people. He didn't mean women and children. He was classifying them by their skin color, by their race. The tension that had been hanging in the air before that moment boiled over, and several of my acquaintances and a couple of my friends decided to leave, but in doing so, tried to send clear signals that they were leaving in disgust and protest. I'm not sure that the group they were trying to communicate with even paid attention or picked up on their silent protests and dirty looks as they left. As I look back on that day, I hope they didn't. I wish that I had been wise and strong enough to confront the frustration and attitudes of those in our group. To many, this could look like a racial issue, and it could easily have turned into one. But the cause of the division here was not race, not really. It was cultural differences. One group tends to value discretion and keeping your interactions as private as possible, even when in a public setting. It's considered rude to raise the volume of your presence to a level where it might invade or overpower the solitude and invisible wall of privacy of others. The values of this group 
my group, tend to be more focused on the individual, so boundaries are highly prized. The other group has a more collective and communal mindset, so the walls of privacy and boundaries are set in other places. It's more acceptable for everyone to be demonstrative in public. That behavior is normal and is not considered rude or invasive. You can imagine how these two sets of cultural expectations don't mix well. That's the power of culture. It unifies those under the same cultural umbrella, but it just as quickly divides those carrying different colored umbrellas. There are three realities when it comes to the power of culture to divide, and we must be aware of them in the body of Christ. And Jason, before we get to that, um, I've definitely seen this uh, type of divide um, or cultural difference in my own marriage because my wife definitely comes from a culture uh, very much like the one I described um, where you, for instance, would discipline children just out in public. I mean, if the kids were acting up when they were little, she would just tell them about themselves. And to me, that was mortifying because I'm like, you don't do that. You you quietly deal with the situation. Um, and so, you know, we definitely had to, to work around that. Um, is that something that that sort of cultural divide, is that something you ever experienced tension in uh, growing yeah. up in Rockford. Oh yeah, yeah that, that's such a great illustration of um, of the situation. Uh, I mean, and I, I've seen that unfold in in my church. Um, but yeah, I I moved to mm-hmm. Lodi, Wisconsin. That sounds um, like a real exciting party town. Yeah. What? <laughs> Lodi, Wisconsin. That sounds like a party town. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You well, you remember Credence Clearwater had the stuck in Lodi again. That was uh, <laughs> it. Wasn't this Lodi, but it you, you tended to feel stuck. Um, <laughs> but it was. Um, yeah. I mean, I moved there, Madison, and and it was it was more so. That <laughs> whatever Madison was, it was like heightened the, the cultural diversity. I mean, there wasn't any. I mean, uh, maybe uh, you know the difference uh, in what kind of snowmobile you owned uh, was the the extent of the diversity. So, so yeah, it it um, that uh, misunderstanding cultures, even coming from a place like Madison to a small town like that, I I stood out and was weird. Um, so that that is a that is a hurdle to. I'm not sure you stood out and were weird over. because you were in Lodi, though. I think <laughs> you kind of stand out uh, and are weird wherever you are. Yeah, well, there's nothing weird about a six foot four, red headed, pale skinned uh, Adonis. <laughs> um, Adonis, <laughs> <laughs> like me, coming to town. Um, Yes, but yeah, I mean, even even in Lona, it did. It, it was a, uh, I, I, you know, it it was a uh, a culture shock, and it, it's something that had to be navigated. And sadly, what ends up happening in those situations is you tend to find you know the other transplants that think like you, and so you never really learn to be a community with uh, those who 
uh, grew up differently. Mm. Um, That's a good point. So, anyways, yeah, carry on. Yeah. Well, let's get into the three realities uh, of the power of culture to divide. The first reality is that the potential for division will always be there. In fact, the more interaction between groups of varying backgrounds, the more we will see these areas of conflict and enmity. When there's a beach full of people who share the same unwritten rules of behavior, it's peaceful and comfortable until a group arrives with, a very, with very different unwritten rules. The fireworks can happen quickly, and it doesn't have to be the 4th of July. The second reality is that wishes and warm feelings do not remove the cultural misunderstandings, offenses, and conflicts that, we will, that will predictably happen when a diversity of people are together. My wife and I have been married for over 20 years, but when we come from widely differing cultural backgrounds, we love each other deeply, but that has not taken away the fact that we have cultural clashes as an almost daily occurrence. I once talked to a church leader who told me he didn't think it was necessary for a multiracial church to talk about issues of race or to learn about cultural competence because the blood of Christ did away with those divisions. He went on to assert that once we enter the waters of baptism, prejudice, bias, and ethnocentrism go away. They only become an issue when we make it one. Prejudice, bias, and cultural preferences go away at baptism? If you agree with that sentiment, let me ask you a pointed question. How'd that work out for your pride, lust, and critical heart? Did they just disappear at your baptism? Uh, Jason, let me let me ask you, when, when, you uh, when you were baptized into Christ, was that the last you've seen of pride, lust, uh, criticalness, bias, prejudice? Uh, did those things just go away at baptism? Uh yeah, in fact, they did not. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> they, shocked. They, they lingered. They're a tough one to shake, yeah. I'm not sure I want to have you on this podcast anymore, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, now I'm, I'm rehabilitated, but yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, well, and that... that it's a great point that you you bring up a great great point with that. Yeah, and I, I you know I think the thing is there is is in the church and correct me if I'm wrong here or you've seen differently, but I feel like in in the in the church in the body of Christ, it's okay to stand up publicly and say, "Oh, I still struggle with pride. I'm a prideful dog." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's still okay to stand up, you know, at, at least in a a collection or an assembly of same gender, you know, if it's all guys one night and say, Hey, I'm struggling with lust, you know? Um, but it's much more difficult, um, for someone. And I'm not sure it would be forgiven as quickly or find as much grace if someone stood up and said, I still struggle with, with bias or prejudice. Yeah, uh, and, right. and so it doesn't get spoken about. It gets it gets shoved right. away and not dealt with. It, yeah, has that been your yeah. experience? Yes, yeah, yeah, totally. And and I mean that 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 uh, that reality operates obviously on all kinds of uh, you know different registers, but the um, uh, you know very much in vogue right now is the spiritual formation 
um, you know, this study of uh, spiritual formation and, and how we become uh, more mature spiritual beings. Mm-hmm. Um, and for good reason, that's, you know, popular because it's, it's a super important discussion that um, young churches have uh, not spent time thinking about. But, but I think one of the things that needs to be included in how we're formed spiritually is is what you're describing that this is this is really um in my experience this is really where i've learned to become more like jesus i'm 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 learning the hard work of love and and patience and how to be family with those who are different and i think if if somehow inclusion in the community uh uh, which is a, a, a primary uh, idea with baptism, right? When, when, you, when you're baptized into Christ, you, you're, you're, you're formed with the new community. And if, if all differences were somehow uh, erased, um, how we become like Christ, we, we'd locate it elsewhere, like in prayer or Bible study. But it, it, it might not do the work of have, having to confront uh, a different <laughs> so yeah. somebody that looks talks and thinks differently than us and so i um i i understand how your your encounter with that other pastor i get where he's coming from because you, you imagine if you if you're a, a disciple of jesus that those things just become less important but that's right uh, it's not in fact it seems how god wants to mature us it's to keep those front and center and within the community learn I think that's what go. That's the idea of the working out your salvation. It's this gift that we learn how to live with, and it's um, it's it's enacted by the fact that we're different. Um, but if you don't have a conversation like the one you're you're having, you don't then grow, and it just becomes yeah. a problem. Yeah. Uh, so, yep. anyways, no, that's a great end point. Of sermon, but that, that's a. Uh, Perfect. I think that's an important thing. Yep. Yeah, and to get back into the reading here, it, it is important because bias and prejudice are sins. James describes these sins of the heart using a term in James 2.9 that's translated favoritism in the NIV and CSB, partiality in the LEB and ESV, and treat some people better than others in the CEV. We all have favorites, but to treat one group with advantage and another with disadvantage and not examine our reasons for doing so, James says that those who show this kind of favoritism sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. These potentials for division will never go away. We can learn to manage them and turn them into opportunities, but if we ignore them, they'll fester under the surface for years until they eventually explode. I'm convinced that many marriages have disintegrated in a seemingly inexplicable fashion because there were deep undercurrents of cultural clash at play. But the couple remained unaware of that as the cause and never addressed the true root. That leads to the third reality. Conflicts that develop between individuals or groups will often look like they're caused by something other than culture. Most of us tend to be unaware of the dynamics and power of culture, so we rarely suspect that the that we rarely suspect that is the cause of the division or tension. We'll jump into a few 
illustrations of that in just a moment. So as we jump back in here, we're going to look at uh, a few illustrations. Um, uh, well, we'll get to as many as we can today. We might not get to all the illustrations, and if we don't um, get to them all, that's fine. We will pick up uh, in the next episode. One of the things that we're that I'm trying to move to here is to keep the episodes uh, maybe not quite as long. And uh, with the addition of guests, of course, that um, stretches out the episode a little bit, I think in a really good way. Um, but uh, given that, we may not get uh, one chapter done per episode, and we might stretch it out uh, a little more. Uh, Jason, as we get into this first example, have you uh, ever uh, worked at a, a teen camp for... The churches in the Midwest or anywhere in your experience, have you ever done a, a camp like that at all? You know what? I never have. And, and it's, um, I, I feel like an outsider looking in, uh, for, for a number of reasons They're, they, they seem to be, uh, uh, huge, uh, turning points, even for adults that attend them. So I, I'm sad to say I've, I've not, uh, I've not, been to the one yet um well, not because i don't want to it, it has worked out yeah we'll have uh, to we'll have to see if we can uh change that uh change well, that I have around. a daughter now so I, uh, it's a priority it's, it's coming yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah yeah that's right nice now i've i've noticed um and i'll i'll mention this to the audience here that Jason's, uh, your, your audio. And of course for me, your video too, are, uh, glitching just ever so slightly every now and then on zoom that didn't happen in some of the previous cases. But I think as we're recording this now, um, mm -hmm. schools around the country are now back, uh, in session, so to speak during this COVID exile period, uh, but they're all online and a lot of them are on zoom. And so mm -hmm. I think the, the lines are just, uh, you know, packed, jammed a little bit. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. So if you hear a little bit of a freeze up or a glitch in, in Jason's voice, um, it's, that's, that's the reason. So, um, we'll, we'll, Good. I was going to say, we'll see what we can do about that, but here's the reality. There's not a doggone thing we can do about that. That's just, <laughs> it's just the way, it, like, I'm just going to call up, uh, what's his name? Yuan, who is the president of zoom and be like, Hey, I, I need a private line here. Yeah. Uh, because of the, you could fix it in post just uh voice over. Oh and yeah. Sound like me and say whatever you wanted me to say. Yeah. Glitches. I'm not very good at impersonations. Um, I, <laughs> I try them. I can't do it. I've, I've even tried to do, you know, like accents and like somehow every accent sounds Mexican. Um, yeah. it's, that's like the only accent that I can do, which I care, prefer not to do. Um, that, uh, that'll get you in trouble quick, but, 
yeah. So I just I I don't do, well. I can do a little bit of a a Scottish accent, um, just having grown up hearing that. You know. And, okay. Yeah. Do the rest of the this it, discussion in that in that in the Scottish brogue, like top of the morning <laughs> to you. You're like no, you and, it, and it's awful too. Boy. So yeah. What a what a Scott. Yeah. <laughs> what a, what a, the 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 accent I would really love to be able to do is a good like South African. Um, especially like oh, an Afrikaner yeah. accent or something, yes. but I just, yeah, I'm around it constantly and I just can't do it. I don't, I just don't have the ear for it. Yeah. Like, like That's a guy right. like Trevor Noah, I love, he can do, you know, just a million accents, um, yep. at the drop of a hat, but I can't do it. So, but let me get into this, uh, example, and this will probably be the only example we get into today and then we'll. Uh, pick up in the next episode. Uh, but this one comes from camp. That's why I asked about it. Um, mm-hmm. So let's jump in here. The following brief story is a composite of many similar instances that I've observed. Think of a diverse group of young teens arriving for church camp. Some hail from small cities that are barely diverse in any way, with the one exception being the family of churches to which they belong. Others come from big cities or suburbs and have experienced a great deal of diversity in their neighborhood, school, and church. Still, others were raised their entire lives in the central city and have entirely different cultural backgrounds from their friends arriving at camp on different buses. As they arrive, the boys and girls are given their cabin assignments for the week, and the boys race off to find their cabin and their beds. A pack of about 40 boys arrive at the woodchuck cabin, and already the instructions to find a bed, neatly roll out their sleeping bags, put their belongings under the bed, and go outside to await further instruction have long since drifted into one ear and screamed straight out the other. A white college-age counselor comes into this cabin expecting to find order, but instead is greeted with something that looks closer like a medieval battlefield scene. The boys are wrestling, screaming, chasing one another, jumping off beds onto their prey, and even throwing mattresses at one another. And Jason, (laughs) even though this is a a uh, composite story. I have seen all of those things. This is, these, <laughs> these are true. I've heard of a pillow fight, but not a mattress fight. Oh no, they're straight up throwing mattresses at each other. Oh, yeah, I yeah. Like it's, it. it's genius. It's brilliant. Yeah. See, this is making you want to go to camp, isn't it? You're, it's sure does. You're searching I'll, I'll online. I'll try that here tonight with, with my, with my wife and mom. Throwing mattresses at them? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure they'll appreciate it. <laughs> Yeah, be be sure to uh, not mention me as the source of that idea. Yeah, I will. Michael said this was fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. All right. This is it. This is what the counselor's been trained for. This is no drill. He spent a day and a half learning that he must be firm up front and establish boundaries and discipline or things will deteriorate quickly. You can always ease up later in the week, but you can't put toothpaste back in the tube. He swiftly decides to snap things back in order rapidly and without question, raising his voice to just one or two levels below maximum volume and commanding these young stallions to get their stuff and get into place by their beds immediately with no questions asked. 
Most of the kids instantly grab their gear and run to a bed, standing at attention in a fashion that would make any cadet in basic training proud. A small group of black teens from the central city have a different response, though. Rather than snapping into place at his barked instructions, their instinct is to not move. One of them speaks for the group as he looks in the counselor's direction and says, Who are you talking to? Facing this potential insubordination and challenge to his authority, the counselor raises his voice one level higher and shouts from about 20 feet away that they need to be respectful and follow his instructions. He punctuates his comments with a sharp, Now move! But much to his surprise, they do not bend to his clout. And the teen shoots back with, Who do you think you're talking to? Now, the counselor knows he has a problem on his hands, and he'll spend the rest of the week watching out for this group and taking no slack. By day three or four, it would not be entirely unreasonable for these teens to survey the situation and speculate, this guy's always on us, and I know why. It's because he's racist. Clearly, there is a conflict. But the cause of this conflict, well, is it a racial one? Or is it more likely that the cause has to do with differing approaches that cultural groups have toward authority? I was raised with a mindset of what's called ascribed authority. You trust authority and follow it automatically for no other reason than that the person giving you commands is in a position of authority. This is illustrated by one of my father's favorite phrases while growing up. And this is true, Jason. He used to say this to us all the time. When I say jump, you say when can I come yeah. down, sir? <laughs> oh, wow. I thought you were going to say how high. Okay. Yeah, no, yeah. that's that's for the week. Because if okay, you see when you, when he says jump, if I said how high, I'm I'm questioning his commands. I'm like, you know, yeah. I'm asking like, no, you just do it, and then you can ask in the air. That was <laughs> that was his point. He's he's a very nice man, by the way. You've met him. He's yeah, a nice guy. Yeah, that's that's reasonable. But that's a- although I I would contend that now that he's older, um, and this is true of my mother too, and I have to be careful because I know that they listen to this podcast. I think at least they tell me they do. They may or may not. But these are not the same people now. Um, I, I remember hearing this in a Bill Cosby routine years ago. But it's true. The, the people yeah. they are as grandparents, these are not the same people I grew up with. They were, Absolutely. you know. Oh, they were. I remember a time when I, uh, now my mother disputes this, but it's true. And she disputes it, but then laughs because she knows she did this. Is I was about 10 years old and she was going to drop me off at baseball. I might have even been nine. And I got like scared and I didn't want to go. And she said, okay, well, let's get out of the car and talk about it. So I got out of the car, and she drove off on me. She, <laughs> <laughs> she just left me standing there, and I had nowhere yeah. to go but to walk up to the yeah. adults. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. But nowadays. Get out of the car and talk about it. Yeah. Now, <laughs> yeah, eat this, eat this exhaust as we talk yeah. about it. But now they're like mushy grandparents. But Yep. That was, that I've, met, was, I've met your parents. They, they're they're incredibly nice, and I've had a lot of great talks with your dad. So I can't I can't picture. Yeah, I can't picture it. What you're yeah. describing. Well, that's. I mean, they weren't mean, but they were firm. There I was no yeah. there was no give 
when we were little. Uh, yeah, I'm seeing that unfold in, in, in our situation, too. My mom does not handle Hannah as she did. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's a plot. They're they're doing it to look good, <laughs> or as as Bill Cosby once said, it, "Gosh, I, that someone almost takes that a whole different tone to reference Bill Cosby these days." Right? Uh, yes. But he was he said that the grandparents are just old people trying to get into heaven now, so they're they're mm-hmm. being nice. Mm-hmm. But um, right. Anyways, let me let me finish up this illustration here. On the other end of the spectrum, my wife was raised in a culture of achieved authority. You must earn your influence. It's not just given. You don't trust someone or follow orders just because they have a certain role. If they disrespect you, you disrespect back. Or you at least question their position over you and challenge it. Each of these approaches seems right to those raised in those contexts. They both make sense in their setting. And it works well when everyone's operating by the same rules. But when the two mix and there's a failure to recognize the conflict for what it is, sparks fly. Mm. Um, I'm going to stop the reading there, Jason. Let's we'll, we'll end the episode here and we'll pick back up in this chapter in the next episode. Um, do you have any thoughts on that illustration as it can you know, affect or play out in a church, for instance? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, especially, um, I think you, you feel this, you know, I'm sure the camp counselor felt a, a great deal of, um, you know, just, uh, it's, it's perplexing when, when you have that, uh, that dynamic clash in cultures and, and, and they respond to you as a leader uh, differently. And I think uh, that's a um, it it takes it takes humility to to understand uh, those you're you're communicating with and and working with. And I think understanding um, that dynamic can um, it can force it can force leaders to be elastic in ways that mm. they might not have been otherwise. Yep. Um, and I think you see you see this. Kind of, Jesus has an awareness of this dynamic. I think in the way that he interacts, even with his disciples, and um, and uh, the, uh, the 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 neighbors around Israel, uh, you, you see uh, Jesus interact with them in a way that would suggest he understands uh, this dynamic. Um, but yeah, I mean this this has the potential to to create all kinds of of, of challenges. You know, I think especially um, I think it's hard when you've identified what what you just uh, the, the thing you just gave a name to the, those differences of uh, views on authority. Um, my instinct is to become frustrated with those who don't see that. Right, um, right. And I think that can create a whole new kind of intolerance where it's like you, you, you're, you're now intolerant of those who don't, aren't aware that that's uh, unfolding. So again, I think this information, um, it's, it's like a sword one needs to learn to wield because it, 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 it requires some humility um, and patience. Yes. Uh, having identified differences in culture, 
uh, is like, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it feels like it's like one percent of the battle. Now yeah. it's how do we how do we live with this joyfully? How do we live with this? Well, I would, yeah, I would actually say identifying the cause as as cultural is is bigger than one percent. It's actually a, a pretty okay. huge part of it. Um, because I think we often don't identify the cause. And so we just think that it's, it's, we think it's racial. Well, that's true. We think it's personality. And so when you yeah, identify the true. cause, now we can start to work on it. Um, but just identifying it, uh, is, is yeah. not the solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, um, uh, equipped with that information now requires something new of you, I guess is what I was driving at. Yes. It's, um, yeah, no, this is great. The I, work I begins when we identify the, the problem. Begins. The work right. begins. Yeah. yeah. Well, Jason, we're gonna we're gonna draw to a close here. Uh, really, um, you know, this is uh, splitting up this episode. It's uh, part of my master plan um, because now I feel like you have to come back next week and finish up this conversation in our next episode. Uh, so, uh, I'm not even going to ask you if you can join us. You're just, you're locked in now. You're well, I, I, I'm, I'm actually locked in my home, so yeah. I, I don't have a lot going on. I, uh, I don't play video games, so I just kind of s- sit and look at the wall when, when uh, my daughter is asleep and when she wakes up, I tend to her. <laughs> That's my life. Oh, I, I bet you've cracked a book open a time or two. So <laughs> There's some of that too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, thanks for yeah, joining thanks us. A lot, dude. This is the end of the episode, and we will pick up this discussion uh, on the power of culture to divide next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks.